Carvel Ice Cream brings us in to the first 2023 20, Willits Pod or whatever this is. It's on the Willits Pod feed, but so is we can pot it out. Um, this isn't quite Willits Pod. It's not not a football podcast. Uh, we're I don't know what we're doing here, but it's 2020. We have a show. It starts with the Carvel uh, jingle that has been stuck in my head for the last 37 years because that <laughs> on YouTube is from 1987, uh, 1986. Um, I'm Jesse Spector. I'm not going to talk too much today because we have a lot of things to talk about and um, people that you want to hear from more than you want to hear from me. Uh, we have with us from not a football podcast from what's dead from all over the place internet um everybody from the internet uh, that's what we are <laughs> Brit, Brit Huber's back Brit how are you I'm good I could be better but I'm good I'm going with good also uh from the internet um host of Breaking Balls podcast Emily Nyman Emily how are you I'm great happy to be here and uh from also uh the internet um <laughs> Chris O'Keefe, who you know, is the writer of today's uh, podcast subject, as it were. You wrote this thing that is attached, um, if you're on Substack, to uh, this podcast um, that we will get into soon enough. Um, and, and I've lost my train of thought immediately. We're t- less than two minutes into this, Jeff. It's going great. <laughs> Carvel on the brain just does that. I do have Carvel takes over. over. Do, do you guys have? <laughs> what is what was Carvel's reach? I mean, what is it a national thing or is it just something that that got me as a New Yorker? Yeah, pretty I, much. I think it's just a Northeast before. thing that I was subjected to spending summers with my cousins and stuff back there. I don't think I ever saw one actually like in California, home in California, or anywhere out this way. Yeah, as a Midwesterner, wasn't it was not here. So, how does Fudgy the Whale achieve like that kind of national consciousness? He's transcended the ice cream game. He's just—it's an ice cream whale. What's not to like? Right, but if he stood on the shoulders of Cookie Puss, and everyone just knows Fudgy the Whale. Exactly. And now we're getting into the season of Cookie Opus, the, the Irish cousin. <laughs> I forgot about Cookie Opus. <laughs> so that's ice cream. Uh, what, what is what? Like, I'm curious now because, like, I'm sure that there's other like regional Carvel equivalents, and like, you know, an equivalent. I don't Smacky know. the Frog is a potential character for Mitch Hedberg, but like, is there a Smacky the Frog cake out there somewhere well, I mean, that I could be what- enjoying? Swenson's was like sort of the equivalent kind of ice cream place. Yeah, when I was growing had- up, but, but I don't think I don't remember them having like like a fudgy the whale or cookie puss like equivalent. Like I know they did cakes and stuff, but it was I don't recall there being characters associated with it. We had Mister Curl. There wasn't a character though. It was just because the ice cream like curls up. And it was like this big blue truck that came around. That's all we had that I can think of. That or like the seedy ice cream truck guy that comes by. Well, there's the ice cream guy and the, the drug <laughs> ice cream truck guy. That's the guy who's driving the ice cream truck at 11 p.m. Oh, that's not sinister at all. No jingle. 
Um, actually, a lot of converted Mr. Softy trucks in New York now just uh, weed trucks, just straight up. It's beautiful. Love to see it. Um, this is the yeah, future it, liberals want. It, it is. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> you nailed it. 100%. The, the other people are complaining about weed smell in New York, and it's like, get over it. All right. Like, people are like, stinks like weed. Garbage. Like, yeah, exactly. Instead no. of sewage. No, the only thing people should be complaining about is that I need people who are going to smoke weed in public to smoke better weed. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, the quantity of smoke of skunk weed happening in public is unacceptable. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, that it's legal, y'all. That, I need you to do better. That is something that Wilts Pen is going to aim to address because um, this afternoon I made my first purchase at the weed store where I requested a receipt because it's going to be for business purposes. <laughs> that's amazing. Writing about it on our website, I I encourage and invite all of you to, to join in this endeavor of guiding the world to a, a better weed. Um, I start with a Gary Payton uh, pre-roll joint that um, I'm planning to pair with um, some NBA jam on Apple Arcade. That feels like a good way to start. Um, Man, that was like my yeah. high school experience. <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel like I've done this. It's battling yeah. like Mortal Kombat. I'm not even sure how much Mortal Kombat I played totally sober now because so much of it occurred in high school. I'm not <laughs> Speaking of Mortal Kombat, um, it would be great if you could rip Mike Kledgenger's head off of his body and just like wave him around by the spinal cord as um, Crystal, what, what you've written here I think is, uh, is spot on it. And um, I don't know if you want to read some of it so that we have a jumping off point here or, or if I should or, or what you want. I'll, you know what? I, have I, mean, the- I don't have it pulled up, so okay. you just kind of pick your favorite part. I I will just – I think, honestly, a good way to do this, and this is a new thing that we're doing, um, you know, pairing up writing and podcasting here. Um, not, I don't think that's a totally do like it. I don't know. Um, but let's just go through and, and um, there is a content warning on this and I appreciate that discussion and uh, photos of sexual assault and domestic violence. And I think that you know, you're, you're aware now that we're talking about Mike Clevenger and he's been in the news. So um, this industry is already oversaturated with stereotypical cis white men who will shove their opinions down your throat while claiming to be the victim of the same. Women, people of color, the LGBTQIA plus community, and non-binary members don't often feel welcome within the confines of America's favorite pastime. It is harder for anyone that doesn't fit in the square box of what is ideal for the sport. We can't even bring an average-sized person to most ballparks, let alone get meaningful roles in the industry. Um, I think that's you know, that that's a general starting point, I think, and, and lays the foundation for part of why the culture in the sport is the way it is. But like I said, I don't want to talk too much. So, you know, it's funny that that's kind of how I started that out as today is women in sports day, as we're recording, obviously not when this goes out, but yeah, I mean, we deal with so much shit that we didn't, we don't deserve to be dealing with. You know, we struggle to get, the wonderful jobs that we should have that we are capable of doing. I mean, I'm in this group with like wonderful writers, podcast hosts that are women and we are incredibly knowledgeable of the situation. So it really stings when 
you feel alienated as is in this whole world of sports. And then you have to deal with someone who has beat up his wife and through like tobacco chew at his infant son's head. So when we're dealing with this sexual assault and domestic violence within this sport that we love so dearly, so so much that we spend an entire season and off season covering this sport in length, it sucks. <laughs> like it, and it it's, I don't want to like compare this, but sometimes it's even harder when you are a victim of one of these things or you know a victim of one of these things. And I think every single person that listens to this at the very least knows someone that this has happened to, whether it be sexual assault, whether it be domestic violence, just threatening text messages, any kind of violence against another person. So... And I don't want to hog up all the time, but that's that's where I'm at right now. It's just this constant mental gymnastics of still being here and still, at the end of the day, writing up recaps about the stupid White Sox. And something that oh, – sorry. No, you're okay. Go ahead. And And something just to add to your point that – and this is obviously couldn't be further away from – the the crux of the issues right because obviously the per the victims it's horrible that they have to go through this and relive it over and over again they're called liars they they people are sort of making excuses for their uh their abuse and and all of that but even as a fan and someone uh trying to talk about the sport like you said it's it's so deeply ingrained in our life that we follow it all year round that it's really frustrating to like have to make caveats in my own head that I, I really resent the league because this abuse is happening. It's already happened. Uh, you have uh, Clevenger, you have Aroldis Chapman, you have uh, Domingo Herman, uh, uh, the list goes on, Urias from the Dodgers. Khalil League is popping today the league yeah exactly the league just and they allow them to stay and, and you know they get a, oh, a half season suspension and then they're given their second chance that people claim that they deserve as if playing in the major league is a right and not a privilege that only a couple thousand people have ever had the privilege of doing and as a fan it's like i i hate the fact that i have to watch a yankees game and it's like i gotta watch this guy pitch and and in my head it's like i i want to not watch because I want to boycott I, I, in solidarity, but it's like, it's like, this is the one thing that I really enjoy as an adult. You know what I mean? Like as far as entertainment is concerned, like, so it's just, it's really frustrating. And like I said, this is a very selfish reasoning for it, but because I'm a fan and I feel powerless beyond where I spend my money, it's just really, really tone deaf. And so many people just don't get it. So many male fans, uh, present company excluded Jesse, but they just don't get it. Like I had a conversation with somebody who didn't th thought that Aroldis Chapman, you know, that he was getting a bad rap because what he did wasn't really, he didn't put his hands on his girlfriend. And I was like, well, he fired a gun in a garage and intimidated her. And he was like, well, it wasn't in front of her. And I was like, bro, are you like, are you nuts? Yeah. Someone like, firing a uh, gun somewhere isn't scary to you? Like, what the hell are you talking about? Just because this guy throws a ball really hard, you have to do all these gymnastics to just come to a conclusion that it's actually okay that you like him? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I had I had death threats. I wrote an article 
about a year ago about domestic violence within MLB. And you know, Raldis Chapman was like the cover photo for this picture. And I had some guy say, no one gives a shit that you've also been a victim. And I've had death threats and like guys just in my DM saying, no one cares. You're stupid. You should die. Because I wrote about their favorite baseball player. And I was like, you know what? He's not even a good closer. He's so washed. He proved that in 2016 when he almost completely blew it for the Cubs. <laughs> like, he's not even good. Even no. if I liked him initially, I wouldn't like him now. So it's like, it's insult to injury at that point. Yeah, yeah it's true. And after 2019 and 2020, especially, it's like, oh my God, fuck this guy. Right. Just And it's like, well, he deserves a second chance. Why? And then like Trevor Bauer, I talk about them and they're like, what do you want to Cy Young? And I was like, on a Mickey Mouse, like season on the red, congratulations. I think like my son could do that. And he's 12. (laughs) And the thing, the thing that particularly sort of gets at me and I think speaks to part of why I think it's so hard for a lot of us to process the way this plays out is that cases like Clevenger and Bauer in particular are not isolated incidents. They're patterns of behavior. And these are people who, if you paid any attention and if you listen to the people around them, or you listen to even just your own instincts and the internet, you would realize that these are not people who you can trust to behave in an even vaguely appropriate way. And and all this, the end outcome of this is, is just that pattern of behavior rising to the point that then it finally gets them in trouble. But none of it should be surprising. So when you see the White Sox and the Dodgers both did this, but when you see these teams say, oh, we're so shocked, we're so horrified by this behavior, of course we take it seriously. Like, no, you don't. You don't take it seriously because you signed this person knowing what they're sort of body of work from a human being standpoint is and you sign them anyway you made it you took a calculated risk you looked at the fact that they are an asshole and have shown poor judgment and a total lack of concern for anyone around them and entitlement and all the things that sort of build the basis of this kind of behavior that then reaches to the level of you know abuse and assault you looked at all of that and decided that you were going to roll the dice and well Maybe it wouldn't get worse. Maybe it'll be okay. It won't totally blow up in our faces from a PR perspective. And then when it does, then you backtrack. And then you say, oh, well, this is terrible. Of course we don't support this. And it's like, I don't <laughs> awesome, know whether don't you're- you? Right. Don't you though? And I don't know whether they're lying like really consciously or if they have just so completely deluded themselves to make themselves think, oh, well, of course we care. Because now we're going to say we care and maybe maybe we'll cut somebody, maybe we'll suspend them ourselves, maybe there will be some sort of disciplinary action, some sort of actual fallout. But it, yeah, you, you don't actually care, though, is the thing. The White no. Sox claimed that they didn't know because it was not disclosed and MLB obviously let the signing happen, but... Man, I mean, I've always said it, like, put a girl on someone's Instagram and she'll have his grandma and she'll find the Finsta of his third cousin. And, like, they know. Put someone on this person. Track what they're doing because 
that woman put everything out on an Instagram story. Like they weren't doing any sort of due diligence and any, and I'm sorry, if he's buddy, buddy with Trevor Bauer, maybe you shouldn't trust him because this woman does say like she knew about the Trevor Bauer incidents because Mike was telling her about the Trevor Bauer incidents. Like she was like, yeah, I knew all about these women and there are several that just won't even come forward at this point. And I know all about them, but MLB didn't care. And like, just, you have to do your due diligence, even if you, it was not disclosed when you signed him. Put somebody on social media and look. And there was already a story that was not even like hidden within social media that came out a few years ago about him, like throwing his, uh, one of his girlfriends at the time and, and his child with that woman out into the street and just like without a, a word. And like that sort of thing is in one-off behavior. And I think as far as MLB and their sincerity, when they are confronted with uh, media basically of these situations is they've proven that they actually don't give a shit about anything uh, until the population at large finds out about it and they're forced to do something because I mean, as far as whether the Dodgers were sincere, the Dodgers covered up a rape a number of years ago um, and they went through a pretty great lengths to cover it up. And that it's not like that was like, Oh, it was 20 years ago. And you know, they've learned like it was like with the same Dodgers regime. So the league only acts when they are forced to act. They don't actually care I mean, it's it's and it's not just Major League Baseball, right? That this is something that capitalism has has given birth to is that it's the almighty dollar is what matters. So if this guy can, you know, one of the best pitchers on the planet, or this guy can hit the ball five hundred feet, that's more important than the fact that he terrorizes his wife and his children or his girlfriend or any woman in his life. Like that is secondary. And then only when it comes out or it gets to the point where she goes to the police. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh my God, MLB, we care so much about women and it's so important and women's national sports day and blah, 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 blah. It's all, it's all bullshit. You know, is it possible? Unfortunately. It, I totally agree. Is it possible that Clevenger is the first like post Bauer um, sort of didn't incident. take long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that says it all right. But Knowing what happened with Bauer and knowing, first of all, that there was backlash immediately when they signed him. And then the way that that all played out. Clevenger, as a pitcher, should not have wound up on the White Sox this offseason. The White Sox are a dog shit organization that is going nowhere. Is it possible that he winds up there in part because... 29 other teams are looking at this guy and, or, you know, not 29. Certainly there, there are others that are looking at him for other reasons. Like the pirates aren't even getting at the point of doing the deal. (laughs) But like, is it possible that some of these other teams, I mean, and the Padres are the team that just traded for him last year. And they've also been um, like, they were right there with Bauer. And I don't want to let the Mets off the hook on that either. Because they were hot for that dude too. Um, but is it possible that in the world where Trevor Bauer has happened, that teams are changing their calculus a little bit behind the scenes in a way that we don't know because they actually do understand that capitalist part of the bargain and that your money is just as green as mine? Um, for most teams, 
that there's a chance. I think that might be a thing for the White Sox. I know it's not because Grandpa Jerry doesn't care about anything. Um, but it's something I at least hope for because they at some point you have to take notice when all these players are out because they're abusive towards someone that maybe it's not a good look for your organization and money is everything. So if they're not at your ballpark buying tickets, buying three beers, buying a jersey, then that's going to start affecting you. Even if you are Daddy Warbucks, Steve Cohen, like that money's got to trickle in. And I think a lot of White Sox fans right now are like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm not buying tickets to your games. I'm not buying jerseys. I'm not coming. And they were already really salty about Jose Abreu. And then this happened. And so now I think fans are just, they're done. Like, I don't plan on buying any White Sox tickets this year. I will see them. I will not purchase tickets through them. Um, Hopefully we'll see you in New York then. Yeah, that's the plan. I'll wear my Met stuff instead of my White Sox stuff. Well, I, I and, think that this is an interesting sort of reflection of the way the economics of baseball have gone to is that I don't think teams for the most part, give a shit about whether anybody comes to games because that's not really where they're making their money anymore. So I think where you do start to see a, a potential shift in the way teams are thinking about some of this is that teams are also realizing that one a bunch of RSNs are going belly up at this point. Um, and advertisers are starting to care about this stuff. So depending on what market you're in, if you are the home of a known shithead of one flavor or another, is is the big local credit union going to want to advertise during games? Maybe not. Are you going to have advertisers calling you saying, hey, uh, yeah, we want to we want to run some ads during games this year, but we don't want them to run um, next to any of the bumpers going back in from commercial that might have this guy. And we don't want you to we don't want commercials running on uh, the day when he starts if he's a pitcher. That gets that real complicated thing. suddenly. Suddenly, that has an actual impact, and that at a certain point, that will I think get the team's attention. But it requires. One, it requires that pressure. So it requires things like advertisers being aware enough of, hey, this is a bad look for us. And also it requires the league following through with suspensions and with actual punishments because that way there's an actual impact on the field. If you sign this guy and then the league comes back and says, "Mm, nope, now he's suspended, you're going to have to figure it out. He can't play for however many games then that's a real business problem for you because then you've got to figure out whatever um, you know maneuvering you have to do for that. And that makes it real in a way that I think it's way too easy for them to blow off if a certain demographic of fan is not showing up to games. Like not showing up to games uh, has not to this point been a deterrent for the Reds or the Pirates or the Diamondbacks or the Marlins or the Rockies, like uh, you know, the, not showing up to games has not proven particularly um, well meaningful. Sadly, it, here is and, and yeah, we bring up the Reds and Bauer pitch there and won a Cy Young there, a bullshit Cy Young there in a Mickey Mouse season. Um, the Reds fandom, um, 
loves loves them. Uh, gambling rapist. Um, <laughs> think that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Want to build statues of him. Uh, they play right in the heart of um, the most red area of uh, of baseball. It's like the Reds to St. Louis corridor there. Since it happened, um, yes. Can, <laughs> is it possible as a compromise to just send all of the shitheads there um, and then nobody will watch them? No, they because they're... Nobody will care, but they'll be celebrated by um, a bunch of losers who, um, quite frankly, eh, fuck them. And, and I say that with all with all respect to the Bengals fans who I love, who who just had a great time, and Joe Burrow's great. Um, he should be king of that city and not their idiot mayor. Who made that He's so hot, too. Um, I would prefer yeah, that the Reds don't have that because, one, disrespectful to Joey Votto and Johnny Bench. True. Two... They are super close to me, and because no one goes to their games, I get really cheap tickets, like front two rows, first baseline when the Mets are in town. So, like, if I can look at Pete Alonso's ass and <laughs> a very small amount of money, I would prefer that. So yeah, I... I personally like to just take the hour and a half drive, pay absolutely next to nothing, and watch good teams play them. I think at like a fan fest the Reds had recently, and it was either their GM or their vice president of operations or something like that. He literally said that uh, they run the team like it's a nonprofit. Yeah. He said that publicly, like just putting it like now they're just blatantly saying it like yeah, even though we make again. a shitload of money like we're running it like a nonprofit. like how does that oh, even make God. sense and people are like oh yeah like applauding in the crowd like come on if it was <laughs> a shareholders <laughs> meeting and no that still wouldn't make sense because <laughs> right it was it was very bizarre money. yeah bring them all to miami because nobody goes to marlin's games and they fit right in in florida too i'm so mad about that though because the it's it's such on a purely baseball level. It's such absolute like just shameful business to not make be able to make a baseball team in Miami successful. There is no excuse for that. It's so embarrassing. Two-time world champions. Yeah, especially because yeah. they won those World Series in pretty close succession. Like, right. And then they just like were like, ah, fuck it. We're just going to let this like, team for two decades. Yeah, no, be, we tried being good. It wasn't as profitable. We're going to go back over here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we could still make money and not do shit. Why are we doing, why are we not doing that? Right. I mean, honestly, I, I hate to say it, Crystal, with you here. Um, the White Sox are a decent candidate to be the, uh, penal colony as it were they're in a dog shit park it was i i I don't hate it um and they have made it better but they're in the park that was built right before camden yards changed everything they're the second team in their city um they're owned by a complete dingbat who i wish nothing but ill upon um going back to my childhood when he owned the bulls and fuck that Mm -hmm. um well you know a bunch of White Sox Twitter people put together a GoFundMe. Like, I, I helped out with this, a GoFundMe, and they made enough to do two billboards that'll stay up for, like, three months each right outside the stadium that's to sell the team <laughs> because that's how much we hate Jerry Reinsdorf, and he's destroying the Bulls right now, too. So, like, 
that's how much we hate him as a fan base. So any bad thing you say about the White Sox, that just slips right off my back. I, I will bring this back to Jerry's other team and to my beloved Knicks as well. Um, it bothers me to no end hearing Derek Rose praised as like this leader of men and like one of the most popular and charismatic dudes in the league when it's like, um, did we all just totally memory hole that? Like, yeah, we just, we just, that never happened. And, and we forgot about it forever. I mean, we memory hold everything with COVID too. Yeah. <laughs> like historically, if you're, if you're, uh, decent to extremely good at a professional sport you can do basically anything and in six to 12 weeks people will stop talking to it at the outside probably less than that but like at the outside to the point that if you try to talk about it other people other fans are like get over it already like what are you talking it's like why he doesn't know you son why are you defending him like this right and maybe if you're lucky, you will see a swing back uh, when they start playing really terribly, a la Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> then suddenly it's okay to remind everyone that they're also just, like, terrible people. Then suddenly everybody agrees. <laughs> right, right. Suddenly it's a collective agreement in the fire Aroldis Chapman with the Sun <laughs> Brigade. It's never like, you were right. No, it's never just you were right. It's no, actually, he's terrible. I'm tired of seeing him blow games. Get him out of here. I sent so much money to domestic violence organizations during the 2016 World Series. And any time, like, I watched him, if he did anything even remotely decent, it was $5 donation. Like, they made bank. And for women that don't get paid as much as men, like, that's a lot more out of my pocket for when he does anything halfway decent. Because I just had this, like guilt watching them that year like this just pit in my stomach so i was like i hate this guy he's a piece of shit but i'm gonna watch it because i'm gonna watch the world series well and And you did get some good out of him can't say the same for the yankees like it was basically nothing but dog shit it was like and then they when they extended him it was like is this really necessary like this guy's a scumbag and he sucks and that was tattoo artist the freaking tattoo. Oh, yeah, I that's swear right. to Christ. Um, and I was like, please, Lord, take the leg. Just take it. Like, let's just, can we just be done with this here? <laughs> yeah. But well, the, the, the frustrating thing about like, regard uh, with the World Series too is that like 2017 was one of the most fun stretches of Yankees baseball in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. That it was season, like playing with like house money. Right. Playing with house money, just fucking magical. And then you've got this shithead. Like, there's like, yeah. no, who wants to, nobody wants you involved in this. Like, we yeah, were, it was we terrible. were fine without you. We don't need you involved in this mess. And it, it just becomes this whole like battle of now you've got these really positive memories that are always like a little bit tainted by. Whoever the the shithead of choice is for your particular favorite team, you you, you've got to know in the back of your head that he's there. It's like I have Aubrey Huff blocked on every conceivable point point in the internet because I don't want to ever have to remember (laughs) that Aubrey Huff 
was this critical element of like some of the best things that have ever happened to me as a sports fan. In my, in my head. And this is like a joke on Giants Twitter. If you're unfamiliar that uh, noted world series champion, first baseman, John Bowker, because clearly Aubrey Huff was not there. Who are you talking about? That never happened. <laughs> like we've just we've just agreed to memory hole him entirely, so that that like, whole yeah. stretch there was John Balker at first base, and then everyone else. <laughs> then you get your Russell Posies and your Brandons and whatever else, because just like nobody wants to acknowledge his existence. And the best thing he's done for me uh, since sometime in late 2010. Uh, was the fact that he was so awful that the Giants uninvited him from everything in perpetuity so that I don't have to worry about him randomly showing up at a reunion or something now. That was great, even as a non-Giants fan, when they didn't invite him. He's like, fuck, it was on some, like, you know, you can't fire me because I quit. He was like, I don't even want to go. And it's like, yeah, okay, buddy. (laughs) Right. And my favorite part there, too, was that the guys who were still on the Giants at that point, there were only a couple but the guys who were still on the Giants who had played with him were just crickets. They were like, nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, He's always been an asshole. Right, you think I'm vouching for that guy? No, I'm going to be over here. I'm not going to say shit about shit. <laughs> you did bring up Kobe, and, and I want to get back to this uh, because I think that it's important in how we in how we deal with the whole thing is that Kobe never, obviously never admitted what he did. Um, But also there was sort of a tacit sort of feeling that, yeah, he got away with it, but also then, like, did become, like, this, like, he put in work. I don't want to say he put in the work, but he put in work, and by the time he was out of the league and a dad, and and you know raising uh, raising Gigi, um, like was looked upon well, especially like for what he was doing to help grow women's basketball, and like he's the ultimate father of daughters. But that's a whole fuckload more than like these dudes who are making Jose Reyes look like a paragon of. Um, repentance and, sure. and, and there's there's absolutely like there's a range there clearly that you know n- not all terrible behavior is cre- created equal and i also think that that's i have s- such conflicted feelings about like that particular part of of his story because i i i'm glad that it seems like he turned out to actually be a pretty decent human by the end of it and that like there were some really positive things that came out of the rest of his career and the rest of his life after that point but it's also such a missed opportunity that I I can't help but think like how powerful could it have been if at some point he had said, yeah, I made terrible choices or like I, I was operating in the world based on this sort of really, really harmful paradigm about what relationships between genders should be or, or you know, however you wanted to phrase it. And I did this work. I, I, saw the air of my ways such as it were and I've been able to then have this very fulfilling life and do all these great things and you know I still get to have my wife and my kids and I have a great family and I'm still like this hero to people that would have been a really powerful narrative that would have been something that was really meaningful to see because I think 
there is this very difficult line of the reality is that a lot of men are socialized in a way that they are taught that things are okay, that absolutely should not be okay. They, they aren't given the like critical thinking framework to, to understand it from somebody else's perspective and to avoid some of those behaviors. And I think that's part of why you end up in situations where, you know, such a huge percentage of people who are sexually assaulted, it's by someone they know, it's by someone they trust. It's in a situation that should be of safety. And that's why that happens. Most of those guys, I will say, probably optimistically, are not like fundamentally monsters. Like, I would love to be able to say that they were because that is such an easier, like cleaner narrative. But the reality is, is that a lot of them, maybe most of them aren't. They're people you know, they're people you work with, they're your friends. They're just guys. And they were just horribly misled and and made bad choices. And that doesn't diminish the the trauma that they inflicted on someone else in that process. But I think it it helps us to be able to think about it in terms of somebody doesn't have to be an unrepentant monster. And you are not always going to know that somebody is someone who is capable of doing these sorts of things. Yeah, I feel like we see, uh, and it's not even just men, that so many people see with sexual assault and harassment and even with things like um, discrimination, racism, they only see things that are overt as being sexual assault or sexual harassment or, or racist. You know, yeah. if you're not wearing a hood and burning crosses on someone's lawn, then you're not, or you're not, if I don't say the N word, so I'm not a racist, not realizing that there's a lot of degrees of racism and, and even just, you know, the, the old, like with sexual harassment and assault, like it's seen as charming and it's, and it's the, the plot of every romantic comedy you've ever seen that even though this woman has emphatically said no and, and is showing no interest in you. If you just, you know, follow her like i was watching major league recently which is still one of my favorite movies but it is extremely creepy that jake taylor follows his ex home because he doesn't know where she lives and wesley snipe says just follow her home after the game or after work and it's like that scene there's like you know romantic music playing as he does this so it's like that sort of thing is hammered into the heads of so many people and so many boys and men that they think that it's romantic and they think that this is what women want. And they think that, Oh, well, when she says no, she doesn't actually mean no, she's just playing hard to get. And especially then when you bring someone of, of stature, like Kobe Bryant, because he did have like a mea culpa of sorts. And I think that's how it's like described where he sort of had this moment where he said, you know, what I thought it was, it, it wasn't like, and you imagine a situation where he thinks that this girl is playing is being coy with him, where she's actually saying no and she's not interested and he just can't understand that because he's Kobe Bryant. So you have it on that scale and then even on your regular Joe who just thinks that they're being cute, like Jake Taylor in Major League by right. stalking somebody. Right. Well, and they've done they've done surveys where they ask guys, have you ever have you ever raped someone? Have you ever sexually assaulted someone? And you know, of course, the majority say no. And then they ask them, have you ever? And it's a series of behaviors that are iffy consent, poor communication, assuming that no doesn't really mean no. Like all these things that now we know that is not appropriate. And it means that you're abusing someone or assaulting someone. And then 
so many of them would say, oh yeah, I've done that. Oh yeah, I've done that. Oh yeah, I've done that. But it never I, connected in their head. Right. I will be perfectly honest. I met my wife uh, at a party where she was trying to politely ditch me and go to the bathroom. And I was like, I'll go along with you. And I stood outside the bathroom and waited and she was surprised to see me still there. Um, <laughs> but we, I mean, that's, that's a good example, a little different than following though. somebody home, but it is a good but, example yeah, because, because again, like a, obviously this relationship worked out fine. Cause we're here yeah. years later. What seems like, cute. And, and, and like, you know, we know you. We know that you are fundamentally a decent person. So it's like, but like, yeah, this stuff happens. How often do these stories start, you know, that what was going... And the Bauer story, too, started out consensual. And, you know, I was, I was raised that no means no, but also that you can turn a no into a yes. Right. Right. Because like you said, that's the romantic comedy. That's the plot of major league. Well, it's true. Growing up, my favorite movie was 10 things I hate about you. So that was like my comfort movie. Oh my God. And the whole time Heath Ledger's character is like chasing after this girl, embarrassing her. And then a no does turn into a yes, but it like looking back on these movies, I watched like all of these, like, teenage movies of the times or like you think of John Hughes movies with pretty and pink and breakfast club. And these women are saying, no, I don't want this. And then they somehow turn into yeses because they just feel so pressured to do this. And I think a lot of women go through that where they don't think that they are strong enough to actually turn someone down. And Hey, this baseball player is interested in me let's see where this goes, but they're not expecting to be knocked unconscious and anally raped. So it's one of those things where you feel powerless in that moment because this amazing, cool, famous athlete is flirting with you and suddenly things that you might not do, you're suddenly doing and then it turns very bad, very fast. And then no one believes you and there's, They think that you're, like, out for money. That woman did not sue for any money. Like, she wanted to press charges on him. And it's this this whole weird thing where these guys think they can just get you to say yes. And then because they got that yes, they can do whatever they want with you at that point. (laughs) Right? That's how I feel daily. Yeah. I know. And I love that. Like, they do it for money. It's like, oh, yes, because it's such a glamorous lifestyle accusing a a wealthy, prominent white male of some sort of sexual assault or harassment. They they really live the life after that, all of these women. It's like they're on the – you know, it's like, give me a break. It's horrible. They're treated horribly by every news outlet, every – person online so the idea that people still believe that that like it's for their benefit in any way is absolutely bizarre and just a, a testament to victim you know like people, uh, blaming victim culture that we have 
And you have to live through that trauma again. If you take this to court, you have to go through it and relive all of this trauma. Like I've been through that. That's why people are like, oh, call the cops, do this. And I'm like, they don't listen to you. They don't believe you. And then you have to go to the hospital and get this incredibly traumatic procedure done to you to even prove that something happened. And then if you press charges and it goes to court, you have to get through and relive all of this. Like women, we don't want that. Like we want to just be left alone. But these, I don't know, these guys don't get it. And like, then I have to write about it. I'm so sick of writing about these people. I mean, I wrote stuff about um, a white, like a former assistant trainer on the White Sox. He was let go. And it was timely because he was just outed as gay. And then we've got Omar Vizquel, that piece of shit. I had to write about that. I wrote this whole thing about domestic violence and then got attacked by Preston Wilson because it's, it's far worse in the police department than it is baseball. And I'm like, bro, is this like hitting too close to home for you to attack some woman? But yeah, I, I'm sick of writing about it. I'm sick of guys yelling at me on the internet for having an opinion about it. And I think the <laughs> comment about, oh, well, it's not as bad as in the police department. I mean, yeah, that get, abolish the police. That's the whole point. But uh, I, yeah. aside from that, that it's not a it's not a contest. Like this is not something right, yeah. that is isolated in any one area. It maybe is most immediate in baseball for us because we're here and we're you know. Something that is, you know, dear and dear to all of us, but it's everywhere. This is a, a larger societal thing. And when people are... Yeah, it's almost as if they're symptoms of the same disease. Right. Almost. And so then when you get people who are like, oh, well, but it's worse here or it's worse there. Or like, oh, well, the NFL is worse. Or, oh, well, the NBA is worse. Or, oh, well, hockey players are terrible. Hockey players are terrible. I'm not going to disagree with you. The NHL is a disaster. Like, these are these are not mutually exclusive facts. I've covered both leagues. They suck. Yeah. yeah. So who's the NFL? <laughs> Go Google the Blackhawks from yeah. just like 2010 to last year. You can find right. out how shitty the NHL is. Right. And it's so bizarre because like so many fans and, and I feel like the the Venn diagram of these fans and the guys who like will defend or or like do like the whataboutism for other leagues and the people that will shit on players though during salary negotiations is a circle. Like hmm. so you're willing to like absolutely shit on this person because of trying to negotiate a contract, but then like if they're accused of sexual assault or, or violence, suddenly you are like their defense attorney. Like how is what, what brain cells did these people lose that that makes sense to them? Right. And then they're they're standing up for them because they're coming after that guy's money. Yeah. Like, like, even though they said. hate money originally. Yeah. Like, yes. I, that money that you don't deserve. Now they're coming after yeah. and, and I need to take take the bullet for you on well, it's that. Like, simultaneously, um, people will I say- I don't agree with what you make, but I'll defend to the death your right to make it, sir. Heaven, you should absolutely not give uh, Aaron Judge or Carlos Correa or any high budget free agent more than six years. But also, if you try and take money from them, if somebody is proven to be an absolute piece of shit, that is unacceptable. Like, you've got to pick a lane. It is. I, Aaron I Judge is a loser, back. but if he hits his wife, then all of a sudden all these people will be like, Aaron Judge, I'm buying his jersey. Right? Like, I mean, what? The- 
Babe Ruth. Yeah, that's another thing. Is that like they started like selling more Chapman? Like it's it's like the thing when they're just Sick. shooting and they start selling more guns because people think they're going to get taken away. Yeah, like an asshole country we live in. Um, but when it comes to abolishing the police and and what what Fred said and then what Crystal said, going back to her experience, I can't think of anybody that I would rather talk to less in that situation in life than police officers. Right. Like yes. they came to the house when, after my mom died, because, um, you know, they have to, um, and it's just, I, I, I'm not going to go into the details, but just like two cops show up and like, Oh yeah, I, I feel so much better now that you're here with your guns. Um, right. And like this, no, obviously there should be, investigators who go after criminals and response teams for hostage situations and shit. But the, the motherfucking police do not need to be in charge of responding to your life traumas because they are not helpful. They in fact add to the stress of a situation in a great deal of the cases where they are called upon. So trauma mental health crises yeah. like that scares me when someone's having like a mental health crisis or you have like a non-verbal person going through an episode like that scares me that police are responding to these things and again the one time i did call police it was are you sure and they were just questioning me and i'm like hey like that guy is still inside and he did this they're like, well, okay, but we're going to take you to the hospital. And like, I had a male nurse too, that did the whole procedure. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want this to happen right now. Like this, this is the worst experience of my life this far, like this far. And I'm sitting here being questioned because I had two drinks at this party. And, you know, it's just, it is, like you said, the most traumatizing thing that you can live through and you are the one being treated like a criminal. And then people are like, oh, you asked for it. It was consensual or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't. Nobody, Nobody's asking for this. No one said it was consensual. If somebody's had drinks, then I'm sorry, it's not consensual. And you just get all of these like, oh, it's a false report. And then I get all these replies for stories I write, like innocent until proven guilty. He's, he didn't do anything. You don't know. You don't know the situation. You weren't there. And I'm like, this just takes me back to my own trauma of getting victim shamed because you, cis, white, unseasoned, scum of the earth male, <laughs> doesn't want to believe that maybe, just maybe, something did happen. And this guy you just paid $12 million for is also a piece of shit. And I think fundamentally that most of these guys are themselves pieces of shit and they know it and it shakes them to the core to see somebody who they know has more power and more money than them being criticized for this behavior because they know that they either have done the same shit or they want to be able to, but they definitely aren't going to get away with it then. And they've also been convinced that if they make enough money or they are a world-class talent, that all of the women will throw themselves at them. Yep. And even for grown men, having that reality shattered before their eyes is something that they just can't face. That, well, if, you know, of course, 
this woman is lying because why wouldn't she want to uh, be knocked unconscious by Trevor Bauer while having sex with him? Like they can't understand a world where like that doesn't, that's not the key to getting between a woman's legs. You know what I mean? Because that's what they've been taught and that's what they're shown in every facet of life. And with the cops, cops are projecting too in those situations because they're beating the shit out of their wives and they're raping their wives and their girlfriends. So they go to a situation. They're not like this, this uh, totally unbiased uh, robot of the, of the government that can just go there with no background history and just sort of work through a situation. They're going there with their own life and their own shit. And then they're seeing a victim and they are just now projecting their situation onto them. And like, well, are you sure about that? Like all that bullshit. And just, sorry, I, I should have asked if I can curse no, like an hour ago. <laughs> it's it's a an extension of the whole temporarily disgraced millionaire thing that we're so yes, good yes. at as a country that everybody wants to believe that this rich powerful person oh is just like them they've just got to get the right opportunity they've just got to get the right it, job they've just got to spend more time in the gym whatever it is <laughs> and so yeah they they want to believe that they could be that person too and when that person doesn't get handed everything that they are expecting them to then it's like that then the person looking at it is now like deeply personally offended because they've been lied yeah. to well i mean look at Brock Turner that judge kept going on yep. and on about how he was such a great athlete and it's a shame because he's such a good person and blah, blah, blah. And he got like no time at all. Yeah. Is that the Stanford And he was yeah. caught. Yeah. Yeah. That he just then got recalled, luckily. So. <sighs> yeah. Like what's in that judge's fucking closet that he's like, I've been there, Brock. Right. Like I know what it's yeah. like to rape someone behind the dumpster and then get away with it. Such a promising future. Like what? I mean, I know you probably wanted to groom him to be a Republican senator or something, but like, can we not? <laughs> much. I just wish we could all be rich white men with like a prominent career in swimming or something. In swimming? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like not even, and it's swimming. Like, how far could he really go with that? Like, give me a break. He wasn't a right. fucking Olympian. Right. You yeah. even, even once that's you would have mattered, but still. Yeah. I can name I can name two Olympian swimmers like Andre Agassi and Michael Phelps. And I wait, like, Agassi no. was a tennis player. <laughs> no, there's one. You know, that's per- that was perfect though. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. swimming. That's like the most perfect example. Oh gosh, what was his name? He like hit his head on the diving board. Oh, Luganus, he was a diver. Greg Luganus, yeah. yes. Greg Luganus is a diver. Yeah. I do know two. Thank you. I also know one tennis player. (laughs) That was great. Losing his shit. I wish everyone could see him right now. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse's going to need a minute. Oh my God. An orange boy. Yeah, he's (gasps) getting on things he's not supposed to get on. All right, last last thing because we've been at this for a while. Uh, but since we are speaking about um, shitty men who are bad at things, and uh, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, um, the University of Iowa football program <laughs> has, um, <clears throat> made the decision to retain offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz, and in fact, the entire 
offensive coaching staff, uh, despite I'm just going to pull up some numbers here and uh, vamp yeah. on this oh, do, for a moment. Do, do find their offensive rankings. This is uh, college football rankings stats uh, 2022. Yeah. NCAA college football FBS stats. Uh, team statistics. Uh, let's go with, uh, well, let's go with scoring offense and we will search for Iowa. Not in the top 50. <laughs> no, um, no one is surprised. Let's see. Uh, ranked 123rd out of 131 in scoring offense ahead of Rutgers, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Colorado, Northwestern, Colorado State, New Mexico, and UMass. My God. Uh, Iowa's a, a team that runs the ball uh, quite a bit. So let's let's see how their rushing offense was. Um, not, not yet. So <laughs> scrolling, scrolling. Yeah. On page one, I'm going to skip. 19 touchdowns across 13 games. Oh, that's yeah, what we're looking for. Beautiful. Seems about right. That, that um, almost is more than I want. Iowa, yes. the 124th in rushing. Ahead of Old Dominion, Akron, Colorado State, Arkansas State, Temple, Mississippi State. Uh, that, this is the air raid, Mississippi State, and Boston College. Iowa wow. has decided that uh, its offensive coaching staff needs no changes. Um, this offense, led by Brian Ferentz under the uh, guidance of Iowa football head coach, Britt, uh, who's the Iowa football head coach? Uh, what it? Uh, oh gosh, what is it? Kirk, Kirk something? Oh, Kirk Ferentz, Ferentz. Yeah. That's, That's what it. it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Why hire anyone better when you can have a mediocre man? Uh, Brian and like Ferentz a double dose. It's, it's nepotism and sexual assault or whatever. It's like, oh, of course. Yeah. Why not just add more to the pile? Just... Hey, to be fair, in Iowa, it's more racism. In, institutional yeah. uh, weight room racism. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. If you want the sexual assault, you can go back to the White Sox, adding Kenny Williams Jr. to the front office. Um, I don't remember who tweeted this, but it had the, I think it might have been Bennett Carroll who tweeted it. It has the double benefit of uh, you don't know whether it's a nepotism hire or that just the Sox only hire former players. Hey, we also have Daryl Boston as a first base coach. He sucks. And he was retained. <laughs> For some reason this year. Love it. Like, they got rid of most of their coaching staff, but Daryl Boston, he's still there. He's still at first base. I mean, look, when you've got that kind of talent, you just can't let him walk away. Who, who could you possibly find who would be better? <laughs> like, anybody. Maybe you they're like, find... oh, we're not doing a racism because we're keeping Daryl Boston. Pro- that's probably exactly the logic. This yes. like evens it out. Like, yeah, he assaulted, you know, this woman back in like '86, but he's a black guy, so we got to keep and up. He was on the White Sox then. Team guy. Team guy. <laughs> Jesus. Well, if you're looking for a better first base coach for the White Sox, uh, Crystal O'Keefe, Britt Huber, Emily Nyman would all be. Um, excellent choice, except that I wouldn't wish that upon them because it would mean that they would have Yeah, it sounds awful. No offense to White Sox fans. Yeah, I don't want to be on their payroll. I've said too many things about them in general to be on their payroll. Um, if you would like to expand the payroll of uh, of 
the folks on this show, um, go on over to willitspen.com or uh, gobirdsgobirds.com. It was very popular uh, this week. Um, uh, by very popular, I mean, put a lot of shit there. Um, we're trying to find, like, you can subscribe to the Substack that will basically get you commenting privileges and also the very occasional post that somebody wants to have behind a paywall for reasons that will be theirs. Um, otherwise, we're trying to fund this thing through selling. Um, I'm not. Am I wearing a, wearing a Rangers shirt? No, I'm just wearing a plain old waffle shirt. Um, I'm wearing none of our gear at the moment to show it off, which is pathetic. Um, <laughs> not the gear. The gear is great. I'll, uh, <laughs> um, it is. I can confirm. It is, it is fantastic. Funny. I have a very comfortable shirt. Also, go, I'm going to go birds only because I like Abbott Elementary. I I discovered um, through no, it wasn't through Abbott Elementary. It was it was through um, it's actually through Rachel Bloom's Instagram that Kate Flannery, who was Meredith on The Office, um, her Instagram is like all her in Eagles gear. <laughs> She's like Hollywood's number one birds fan. So, love this for her. Um, and I wrote something that is already up. It'll be the previous entry to this um, on the Substack, or two previous if there's a week and pot it out in between. About um, how I, lifelong New Yorker, uh, Giants fan, Eli Manning is my favorite football player of all time. Um, how I'm all go birds, um, and and after not even rooting for them against the Patriots in that Super Bowl. Um, wow. So that, was, uh, that is interesting. Uh, I, I will hold the no-go birds banner that apparently is the, the, the only one of basically anyone I know who's not a Niners fan. So uh, I, I appreciate that. And I've, I've been there. Um, yeah, my my entire investment in hating the Eagles for all those years was uh, keep them from winning a Super Bowl, and then they did. And then I was like, "Oh, they operate on pure, just white hot spite and rage." Mm-hmm. And I can get behind that as a sports fan. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually I will say that as as momentarily bitter as I am, I don't actually hate the Eagles. Um, and I am thrilled that the Niners got the opportunity to beat the Seahawks before I went to Seattle and got to uh, look at the Niners flag that was forcibly put up in the office of my Seattle office. So, um, you're not a Bears fan. And I will say, um, just it, it's addressed in the piece, but still, fuck the Red Sox forever. Yes, correct. Yeah, correct. just fuck them for life for eternity. Just because, even though I. Have a jacket from having managed my kids' little league team. I I need to get rid of that thing. <laughs> it's the Sam Malone jacket. It's fucking awesome. It's an awesome jacket. But when am I gonna wear it? Right. That what are you thing? ever gonna do? With yeah, that? you can't. You just can't. Just give it. Give it to an in-law. So that's that's our <laughs> yeah. show. We've gone over an hour. This has been um, fun at the beginning and the end, and. Uh, interesting and enlightening in the middle i will not call that fun because it wasn't what it's supposed to be but i'm glad that we were able to start end with fun and uh talk to all of you again real real soon uh crystal from the internet Britt from the internet emily from the internet i'm jesse from the internet <laughs> and, 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 and.